Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. I know uh, some of you may recognize my face. Uh, I've been here a couple times in the past. It's good to see um, some of your faces a little more than the last time I saw you, and uh, some of you, it's okay. I probably don't want to see your face anyway. Um, just kidding. Uh, don't know you well enough to joke like that, so you'll have to give me the new guy, Grace. Um, it is a, a joy to be with you all. Um, so yeah, like uh, you heard, we're planting a, a city church, Sarasota, so just across the across the water. God's doing some cool things. Um, been uh, on an adventure in COVID, as all of us have. Ours has looked a little um, different, and uh, yet we've seen God at work, uh, as I'm sure you have. There are stories, and just love to tell you some of those. Unfortunately, it won't be today because we have to jet back uh, down the Skyway and get to our group that's meeting at one o'clock um, at our house. So. Um, it, it's going to hopefully be a brief uh, sermon, and I'm the only one to blame if not. So um, here we are. I'm going to just invite you uh, this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm not going to read it yet, but we're going to get there. I think Justin gave me full liberty that we don't have to read it first thing. So I was, uh, yes, we're going to do that. Um, so I just want to ask you a question this morning. Um, what keeps you up at night? What do you find yourself just in turmoil over and wakes you up sometimes or keeps you from sleeping at all? Um, that thing uh, that's that so outside of your control um, may have something to say, an indicator, I would say this morning, like a warning light on your car. There's a place that you're not in charge, and that can either drive you nuts or can be a, a, a leaning in to what could be the answer. What could that point you to? Another question I would want to ask as we start our time is, what are you afraid of? If the worst thing were to come across your desk or into your inbox or, or into your life today, that thing, what, what would it be and what would that do to you? Um, it's pretty scary to start doing the what if questions. Um, there's enough wrong in the world, Chris. Why are you inviting us to think about what more could be wrong? Um, I, I say those things as an invitation because our introduction to any, wherever we are in our uh, journey, spiritual journey this morning, um, the things that keep us up at night that worry us and the things that um, are most fearful to us are places that we believe who follow Jesus that God is actually showing up into our messy, broken stories. They're actually the pressure points, the pain points that he's trying to get a hold of our attention. They're the places he wants us most, the places we think, um, not there, Lord, not that, 
So maybe he's shouting or whispering. C.S. Lewis has it, a great quote reminding us that sometimes the most loud things in our life are when God's whispering and we have to lean in to hear him. So maybe bring some of those things to the Lord this morning in our text. Um, we've been uh, in, I believe you guys were in John a little bit, Mark, but um, we... we um, I, I, for some reason, had a, a brain in my head thinking you guys had been John in December, and maybe I was wrong. A little, a small stay? Okay. So, yeah, that was so last year, Chris. How could you even get us into that? Well, I'm going to do a, a small throwback as a way to get you back into John next week. Um, God interrupts our schedule sometimes. Um, we're praying for Pastor Justin and the family, um, so you'll be with him again soon. But for now, you get me. And uh, what I want to do is have us dive into um, something you may have heard recently, even John chapter one and verse 14. Chris, that's a Christmas text. It's okay. I'm going to tell you why that matters. Um, it's a text where we've been saying Mary last month to each other. And, and it's actually a, an old English word that you may not know the origin of. It, it means valiant or courageous. So, uh, Maryness is not just just happy, clappy enjoyment or aloof joy. It's actually an engaged courage to face that thing that keeps you up at night, to face that great fear. The presence of God that came to us at Christmas and stays with us, we're going to read about that in our text, stays with us, forever if we know Jesus. That presence is much call for courage in the things that we face all year long. The Christmasness, the celebrationness of Christmas doesn't have to end because it's a new year. We are in a journey of facing new things and everywhere a pain point shows up in our stories. That's God shouting to us or whispering to us. Will you face this with my courage? Because you're not going to be enough. We're going to enter John chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to do it in three ways. I'll preview you where we're going, and then we'll go there. Um, we're going to talk about Christ being the divine word. Why does that matter? We're going to talk about him being a real, authentic human. Why does that matter? Then we're going to talk about this thing called glory and how what, once you see it, you can't unsee what you saw. Um, John chapter 1, verse 14. Maybe these are familiar words, but I want and I pray with you that the Spirit of God would stoke your holy imagination this morning and you would be moved to long for him more than you did when you came. Listen to the word of God. These are eternal truths that are for us here, City Church, this morning. Then the word, John writes, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Amen. This is God's word. As we look at our text this morning, first we're going to look upon the divine word. 
Um, have any of you ever uh, imagine going and meeting a friend? Maybe this was pre-COVID, so you don't even have to have a mask. You go maybe and, uh, and, and grabs a meal together for lunch. And um, you're there and, and, and you sit down and uh, this friend was kind of a, a new friend. A friend of a friend said, hey, you need to go have lunch with, with Joe. Um, and okay, I really like this friend, so I'm going to listen. I, I, I want to get to know Joe a little bit and um, I'll take your word for it. And so you go and you sit down and you enjoy a great meal. Um, you know, you just kind of like high across the room and then you just kind of do that while you're eating and, and, then, and then you do that and, and you go. Um, somebody might ask you, how was Joe, right? Um, you, you had a lunch with him, right? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. And, and you'd be like, um, actually, I really don't know because not a word was spoken. See, why is the divine word matter? It's because this is the means by which the eternal God is letting himself be known. He's speaking forth to humanity. God is speaking and we would be good and wise to hear and listen. Now, there's a difference between hearing words and hearing what is said. And I would long for you to not just hear these words this morning, but to understand them through the Spirit of God. So notice uh, his radiance. We've been, um, you've thought through some of what John uh, chapter one is doing, some big categories. I mean, this is uh, the, the preexistent one from all creation and eternity past is, is there, the word. Uh, there's a powerful speaking, if you know anything about John. Um, he's telling about how, Creation has come into being, and it was the power of God has spoken things into existence. Um, and, then, and then we find that the same word is experienced and understood through the lens of a human. This guy named John, he was an apostle, a follower of Jesus, and uh, he was the one telling the story and testifying that this is real. The word that's spoken that I've come to understand from God is really true. And he's a witness speaking forth of his relationship with this one. He knew him so well that in the book of John, you might find if you read along further, or maybe you've done that before, uh, maybe you might not have done that and you might want to do that. Um, there, there's things like uh, the beloved apostle, he calls himself in the, in the, in the text, um, not kind of un, uh, in a humble way, not speaking his name, um, but it's the kind of code for this is me, the author telling you these things, the guy who's writing this. And um, he, he was a guy who knew Christ so much, not just a theory of this divine word, but he knew him so much that he would put his head on his chest. That's kind of weird to us. Maybe you and I don't tend to go and greet and hang out with people and put our heads on our chests. Um, That's a, a sign of great trust, great intimacy, great love for one another, not in a weird way. Just that's the kind of a knowing that this guy writing had. It's not a theoretical concept, yet it's a divine word. Look upon him, see him, and hear him, city church. The eternal word who breathed out creation cannot be just a moral teacher. He is pre-existent. And so therefore anything spoken that comes after him into being cannot be greater than he who spoke it into being. 
you and I, some of us are great and amazing and uh, uh, there's, there's glory in this room. As I'm looking around, there's some beautiful faces, some amazing handiwork of an incredible artist. And yet, we cannot be better or greater, but a, a reflection of the one who formed us. We will never outsurpass his glory, but there will be glory there. He's the eternal word who can only be divine. He's the creating word who can only be powerful and all-powerful. And yet this one divine, all-powerful, timeless word is related to us in nativity as we have known him. That's how we know of this God. And then notice not just that he's a divine word, but notice his humanity. Um, John 1 continues. He says, and the word became flesh. That's a a being verb. Maybe some of you are English scholars. I am not. Um, But God chose in all the means of communication he could give us to speak. And so language, no matter our aptitude, becomes something we all study if we want to know God. We want to know what God's like. We have to study and think through how he has told us what he's like. These are eternal words. And so it, he became, why does the incarnation matter? We call that the incarnation when God becomes flesh. It's because if God Almighty can do something in time and space where he was not something and he, invisible creator, takes on mortal flesh, skin, creatureliness, then there's something that we are supposed to understand about what God is like who would do that. Have you ever heard of that before? That's a weird mystery. In the West, we like to write mysteries out of our stories, don't we? We are great at buttoning the ending of our best stories and novels and movies. We love it when everything comes together and the hero overcomes everything against all odds and everything is great and they live happily ever after. In the East and the context into which God spoke these things about what he's like, they're okay with mystery. God and man together. It baffles our categories, if we're honest. But yet this is the way that God tells us what he's like. The the frailty and the humanness and the weakness and the smallness and the teeniness of he who was beyond the vastness of the cosmos. And so there's a part of the enfleshed word coming to you in Christmas and coming to you, City Church, this morning in the word to tell you what God is like. He is not just an aloof, divine, powerful speaker far off. He's a human who became tired and thirsty. He is a uh, deeply troubled in spirit man. He knew um, the loss of friends to the point of weeping. So he knows, City Church, he knows our pain points this morning. He knows the things that are causing us the greatest turmoil today. Lean in to the eternal God who is identified with the weakness of your story this morning. And let it be something that you wonder about, that you are drawn into the mystery of. In church history, we um, 
maybe take some of these things for granted now, but 1,700 years ago, they were fighting in theological ink and blood over these things. They, in 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea, they were trying to figure out, now, how does this work? It, it Christ, is he of similar nature to God Almighty, or is he the same nature? There's a difference. If it's just similar, well, then he kind of has some godness, but not really full godness. Why does that matter? Well, if he's not fully God, then he can't fully rescue us from our brokenness and our sin and all what keeps us up at night. He can't get through because there's going to be something lacking. So the, the full of divinity of Christ was affirmed. And maybe some of us didn't even think about that as mattering this morning, but lean into the mystery, City Church. There's a tension that a lot of... Um, a lot of our stories that we cling to want to tell us to undo. Don't undo the tension of God with us, City Church. It is a mystery, and it's a marvelous mystery, and it should cause your soul to wonder and stir and, and worship and blow your mind. See, the same church that wrestled with these things came to realize in 451 AD at the Council of Chalcedon that this was a divine word, not merely absorbing a human nature, but actually eternally self-existent. The two natures are really real. He's fully God, fully man in one person. We can take comfort this morning in St. Pete in our broken, messy stories, because the God-man would come from all eternity past and really enter, and he would give us a chance to fully enjoy him courageously, valiantly, because he's really with us. See, there's something about this withness that I would ask you to lean into this morning, because he, he didn't just take on flesh and say, I tried that once, done with that, and then go away. No, he became something that he was not, and that forever is a part of who he is. He, eternal God, the word became flesh, and then it said something, dwelt among us. How many of you guys like to camp? Okay, got a couple people in the crowd that were brave enough. Okay, a few more. Um, yeah, I, I, I grew up um, seeing amazing sights um, in a, in a camp, camper um, eventually, but, you know, we had to go through a lot of tent camping to realize that one too many streams flowing through my bed at night um, to get to the place that I just, that's not my favoritest thing. Um, too many, we need bathrooms, right? We, I, I don't want to go and hang out in the mud squatter place. This is gross. I don't want to smell that bad. Can't even stand myself, much less the people I'm with. The, the, the eternal God-man city church didn't just try on flesh and get it gone because it was so nasty. He came and camped out, the word says. It's a, a throwback to the tabernacle of God with us. What was the cost of God being with us in the Old Testament with Israel? It was that something had to die for God to dwell with us. And, and, and so he came and camped out. He took on flesh. Well, how can 
that be? Why would he want to let that be a part of the story forever? Wouldn't he be tired of the mess? I'm tired of it. Are you tired of it? Another way we ask that in the scripture is, how can a holy God, perfect, righteous, not broken, dwell with a sinful people, messed up, angry at ourselves and at one another, we're broken. How can he dwell with us and not consume us with this holy, wrathful perfection over our brokenness? And so the, the question has to be something that we think through and wrestle. If we're going to talk about God becoming man and dwelling with us, it, it's, a, it's not a like aloof God saying, well, sin doesn't exist. Your mess and your brokenness. No, he, in, he camped out in it. <laughs> And he let that be a part of his story forever. And, and, and so there's a realness to your brokenness this morning. There's blood that would be one day shed, but why would he come and live among the flesh for that, that long and not just come and die? Why would he stay? Why would he camp out? See, he's doing for humanity, friends, what we cannot do for ourselves. Anybody meet somebody in your journey that was perfect according to the, even their own standard, whatever their standard was. None of us even has our crap together enough according to our own standard, much less according to the perfect standard of the one who made us. So there is a need for making up the difference between God's standard and what we are not. And we all do that in different ways. Um, so it, it is a, a problem, and the only, let me tell you the gospel in a nutshell, it's we lost it all. Not some of it was lost when we broke God's law. All of it was lost. We don't have a, a standing with God, and, and yet Christ came and he, he did it all. That's the life, that's the righteous 33 years of enfleshed camping out among us never um, breaking his father's heart, never causing him to weep over his choices that were wrong. He did it right. So what's the last part of the gospel? We get it all. Friends, if, if he only came, if he wasn't God and man, and he only came and did a little bit, then we'd only get a little bit because he only accomplished a little bit. We only needed a little bit. It's actually so much better when we start with, we have nothing. He gives us everything. Your father, if you know, the God-man city church is lavishly generous, more than you can dream of or imagine. You know, you ever asked for somebody for something? He shouldn't have. Just, you know, a little selfish of you. I remember as a kid asking my grandpa, Grandpa, you know, you've got all these color TVs and we just have one little teeny black and white one. Like, how come? How come you don't give one of your good, big, huge color TVs to us? And for Christmas, we got one. And that was too big. I didn't need that. He didn't have to give that to me, but he's a lavishly generous grandpa. I asked something that was not my place. Just a little teeny kid in the family. And I'm like trying to take over my grandpa's stuff and get the goods. 
The king is lavishly generous. You can't ever ask too much of a God-man. Let me tell you what this means, City Church, for your prayers. It means that that thing you're so afraid of that keeps you up at night, you can talk to your king about it. He's not too busy. He's not too far off. He cares about the little things or the big things. And guess what? If he's God, you better believe he can handle it. If he's man, you better believe he empathizes and understands it. You can tell him anything. That should be great comfort. Notice that he is a God man who then also invites us to walk with something that is amazing. We have seen, as we know this one who's took on flesh, eternal word, become a real authentic man. It dwells with us. We've seen something, glory. Glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and full of truth. But first it's the glory. Notice the glory. Ever taken a, a breathtaking view in? Maybe some of you remember if you're not from Florida, um, I'm learning that there's a lot of us that are not from Florida. I was not from Florida. I've uh, been here seven years. I don't know if 10 years is when you become native or not, but I think I'm on my way. Uh, it doesn't take as long as some places. Uh, in Pennsylvania, I was never going to break in and become a, a native. Everybody was from there for 20 years. You're not coming through that that threshold, Chris. Well, um, when I first came to Florida, I remember uh, the first time over the Skyway Bridge. I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is glorious, and it was glorious, and it still is. Maybe you've seen that, and it, it doesn't do it for me anymore. That doesn't change the fact that it's still full of glory. It's not an eternal glory, but it still has some weightiness, some beauty, some breathtakingness to it, um, and it satisfies you for a second if you linger there stirs you to something beyond yourself. Well, you um, may not have, have had that be your thing, but I can remember uh, my first time, even if you're a Florida native, maybe you've seen the mountains before. Remember my first time hiking in uh, Montana when we were doing that little camping thing? We had the tent camper, uh, the, 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 the pop-up camper at this point, so it was much more accessible uh, camping, way less uh, puddles and rivers through my bed at night. Um, and so we were there, and I remember my first time seeing the glory of hiking to a, a lake that was called Hidden Lake in uh, Montana, uh, and it, it had a glacier, like real iceberg, sitting there in the lake in the middle of summer, never melted, always there. Might have shrunk, but never went away. Glory. That blew my category as a kid. What in the world? This is amazing. Didn't go for a swim. That would have been another level of amazing. Burr, is it cold? Um, but I just remember the glory of that moment. Maybe you've seen the um, first view of your bride coming down the aisle. It's glorious. You ever seen a, a woman that was just engaged, the, the look on her face? It's glorious. Some of you might not know it in those ways, and that's fine. But what about the smile of a newborn little person? Isn't that glorious? first thing when they're grinning and giggling and taking the world in. 
See, we've all tasted something of glory, but here's what happens in our enfleshedness. There's a brokenness to the glory. It's not quite fully satisfying, is it? It lingers. It's really real and really good, but it's gone like that. It's over. Leaves you hungry for the next moment. C.S. Lewis has had a, a word for this where there's a taste and a longing at the same time. You know what I mean with glory? You've tasted something amazing, but it's not quite satisfied you fully. Wants to come back for more. The, behold the, the God, friends, City Church of glory. He's the author of the glory. He's the one who spoke the world into being and, and we, we see him and, and it, we can't unsee glory, City Church. Have you seen the God-man in the face of Jesus. Because if you have, then you'll start to see yourself and everything else differently. Glory will cause you to want the essence of glory, and that's satisfaction. Yet we all know we're not fully satisfied. There's something in angst that keeps us up at night. There's something that we're afraid of. There's something that we're a goal we're moving towards. And when we achieve that one, we're going to want to find a new goal to go towards. We're always going somewhere, always longing for something around the bend, up and around somewhere beyond our reach. The essence of the Father's glory, City Church, is that we become satisfied knowing the source of all the glories we've been tasting and didn't know the object they came from. You see, Sarasota City, where we're planning a church, is a city of, of great arts, the cultural epicenter of the southwest coast of Florida. We have 13 world-class stages within a mile of the downtown core, and it's glorious. It's, there's great art and great beauty and great amazing stories told there. You can listen to some symphonies that'll move you to tears. You can laugh at some comedy clubs. Um, you, can, you can see the sunsets of southwest Florida. It's a, it's a great place, but they don't know, friends, like those who, beyond the knowing of the God-man, they don't know the one who made the glory. They don't have the satisfaction of walking with him who stayed and camped out, lived the perfect life, and didn't go away. But it's, it's the, if you've tasted his glory and we get to share it with one another this morning, we're going to come to the table real soon. Um, this is the kind of intimacy that the father was praying in John 17, that the son was saying, I want my followers, Lord, to have the same closeness that you and I have had from all eternity past. And he came and laid himself down that you and I could know and taste and linger and keep feeding on the glory of the God-man. Is your heart longing for what you have not yet experienced this morning of his grace? See, I hope so, because he's, friends, he's irreplaceable. There's no other object or source of glory that will bring you the satisfaction that you can get up at night and, and put that at his feet in prayer because you know he cares 
and you know he can handle it and then go back to bed because you don't have to hold it anymore. Friends, it's, it's irreplaceable. The one and only God of glory has invited us to taste his goodness and his grace. And if it was only half good or half tasty or halfly gracious, it would be not anything worth eating. You see, every other religion, no human culture has ever not had religion. There's always a longing for God in every human culture. Um, and yet, there is only one story where the God-man comes and shares his glory with us. There's a lot of stories, and you can go many other places. Some of you may have investigated Jesus and his claims this morning. And if you haven't, I invite you to do that. This is a good place to do that. There's lots of great folks who will walk that journey with you. But you need to do that. Um, if you've investigated him, then you'll know the difference between Jesus and everything else is that everything else says you are the hero of your story. And every human going through the, the rat race of life is trying to overcome against all odds and get better. And maybe they get a situation better and another little bit better here and a little bit better there. But the, the fullness is missing. They're not satisfied. We can know satisfaction this morning. Let's taste it. Let's taste it not just in reflection and refraction, City Church, but taste it in the Father's full glory. He shares it to us freely in the person of Jesus. The God-man has come, and there is not anyone who can fall from glory too far, although that's our universal condition to not eat and drink deeply of him. But first, you got to have the bad news. The grace is only as good as the truth. The truth is we need it more than we think we do. We have nothing good to offer. And yet, he says, come. All that I ask, City Church, I provide in the God-man. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Let's go to him and pray.